We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? You are about to hear John's appearance with Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports on his show, Please Don't Aggregate This. Jake is a friend of the pod and author of the book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Thanks to Jake for having John on, and thank you for listening. Enjoy. Mr. Dean, are you there? Hello. What's going on, man? <laughs> Took me uh, a minute to figure it out. I apologize if you were waiting uh, for long. I am the least technologically proficient person uh, on the face of the earth, um, even including like people much older than me. So I own that like a, a badge of honor. You can't be worse than my girlfriend who I tell and we discuss often how as we age together, um, I'm going to be the, the one of the partnership teaching her how to use everything that we don't know will exist in 2047 that will <laughs> be there. Yeah, I know. Um, thankfully, uh, I have my wife who like knows how to how to you know plug things in. But that's um, yeah, I, I need I need help. That's really what it is. I need help, and not just because I'm a Knicks fan. There you go, um, Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School in the building. Uh, we've got our, already got a call in from Matt. Matt, we'll get to you in a second. Uh, please hang in there. I would love to talk to you because I haven't had a call in a couple shows. So glad to have you in there. Um, anyone else listening? Feel free to tap that call button as well. If you want to call and you have don't know how because it's not letting you, you got to download the app and make an account. Quick and easy, pretty simple. Um, but let's jump in and talk next because I got home from MSG a couple minutes ago. Um, were you at the game or, or, or were you being uh, masochistic from afar? No, I, I was being masochistic from afar. Um, fun fun little story. My wife is, is down with the count uh, with the flu, down for the count with the flu. So, yes, uh, but she she's on the men, but uh, needed me to uh, watch uh, two children under the age of seven throughout most of this game. So I was doing what felt like triple duty for most of this one in my in my living room. So, what were you expecting to see from this team in the extra period, other than a lot of Julius Randall, Jalen Brunson, <laughs> uh, ISO ball, and? I say that to say this is like a general segue into like every time I go to the garden this year and it hasn't been to too many games. Um, it's just the way that my schedule has worked and personal things. I just haven't, I've, I've made it to Barclays more often than MSG. Um, so maybe my perspective is 
clouded from my uh, sample size, but it seems like every time I go there and I've been there, you know, five or six games into the year, like it's, I feel like it's been throughout the season. Um, the same things you hear from just people in the crowd or people around the court, you know, um, about the Knicks is, oh, you know, they're not that bad. And like, I think that's just kind of every time I watch this team, every time I go, it's just, it's a good team. It's yeah. just a good team. And like, I know, oh, we lost Matt. Um, my, my, my monologue here has been too rambly. I'll, I'll close it here to say, um, do you think there are easy tweaks that can kind of shift this thing a gear forward here? Or is this just kind of where your expectations also lie for New York as presently uh, constructed with Tom Thibodeau as head coach and this type of asset pool in terms of young players and whatever to, to upgrade the team with? So uh, let me try to hit a bunch of, of what you brought up. So a few things. One, I think given the talent on the team and given – and you you know, you know said it, like they're good and there's different ways to judge how good a team is. I think um, net rating is always the one I default to and they're like neck and neck with Sacramento for ninth in the league after this. And you go back to, you know, even if you – like the whole year has been good – but you go back to like when they introduced this starting lineup, or even if you want to go a little further, when they introduced this nine-man rotation, um, it's not. It's better than top ten good. It's more like top five good. Now, do I think the Knicks are a top five team? Absolutely not. Do I even think they're a top ten team? No. Do I think they're maybe a top twelve-ish team? Yeah. Um, and I think to do that, they they have leaned into their strengths, and that kind of segues to how I'm going to answer your question, which is. That I think with their talent and with the skill sets of the best players on this roster, and obviously I'm talking about Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and and then we could we could talk about whether RJ or or Emmanuel quickly is number three today. Certainly RJ was. Um, I think they've leaned into those strengths really well. Um, you know, are there quibbles? There's always quibbles. Like that's where I thought you were going when you're like, what did you expect to see during overtime? Because like the one thing this team hasn't done really well this year is execute late game offenses, uh, late game offense in situations where Jalen Brunson, it's just not a great matchup for him. Like we've seen this, um, he had a great game, the last game against the Bucks, but like against the Bucks a few times this year against the Raptors who have a lot of length. Like if you could, if you could fluster Jalen Brunson with one-on-one coverage, you're like, you're going to be in a pretty good spot because he really is the engine. And then when you have someone commensurate, to guard Julius Randle and like throw a lot of long arms in his passing lanes and, and whatnot, then it gets really tough. And that's why, like you saw coming down the stretch and certainly in overtime, who the Knicks turned to, they turned to RJ Barrett, which is, I thought was a smart move. Um, probably could have even gone that way a little bit earlier in the fourth. Um, but yeah, no, long story short, they're a good team. They're not a great team. They're a move away, probably maybe two moves away from being a great team. But I think given what this roster is, I, I, I find it tough to really complain too much about, about where they're at. All right. We're going to Matt. Matt, thank you for coming back around and coming into the call queue. If you could take yourself off mute, we'll be happy to take a question, air some grievances, whatever you got. All right. We need that, we need that mute button off, Matt. We can do this. Be like RJ in the last play of regulation. Just go for it. Just go for the rim. It was a great play. 
I'll it was say a really this. great play. <laughs> so the media, the media seating um, in the garden is like above the Knicks bench on the like a, a, with with a perfect angle. What's up, Matt? With a perfect angle of like the the that left arc on the on that side of the floor that RJ had to dunk in front of the uh, road team bench. Yeah. So when he got to the top of the key, I saw the space. I was like, "Is he going to yam that?" I didn't think he would. <laughs> And then he did. It was it was an incredible play. Matt, what's up? Matt, do we have you? Hello, hello. You're there. Yeah. You're there. Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm sorry. The um, my app is crashing like crazy. I don't know if I'm on mute or not mute. But do you guys hear me? Yeah, I hear you now. We hear you. Got it. Okay. Um, tough game. I'm a crazy Knicks fan, Jonathan. I'm a big fan. I listen to your podcast. Uh, th- thank you. Although I don't know if you can still hear me. I think he can hear us. Matt, you went back off mute, unfortunately. Oh, I really wanted to hear what Matt had to say. It's disappointing. You wanted to hear it because he gave you a nice compliment. I mean, I am—I'm nothing if not vain. So, any any time you want to praise me, it's that's that's the way to my heart. Matt, you're back. Okay, I don't know why my app keeps on crashing. I don't know what's going on. You hear me? Sorry yes. about that. Yeah, get, we got get your there. point out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, get it out. Um, it's just frustrating. Watch. Um, first of all, I want to be a positive Knicks fan and not just be you know critical and just crazy as most Knicks fans are, but. Um, I'm really happy where we are. The team has really shown um, a huge change from last season, and I'm super, super happy with Jalen Brunson. He's been huge for us, and um, I'm going to be you know biggest stand on him and big fan of Jalen Brunson. But my problem is that we get into these situations pretty much every game now, where it's just like we find ourselves having to close out the games or trying to hold on to leads and watching big lead just go down. I just wanted to know. On your guy, on your end, Jake, if, if you've heard anything in terms of them trying to just get a small rotational piece off the bench to maybe consolidate some assets and just get a bench player to help them make a playoff push, or are they going to make some, like maybe have a bigger play, like a Kyle Kuzma type of player in the starting lineup, but maybe move like Grimes or something to the bench? So I think they're definitely going to look to find ways to get that Kyle Kuzma tier of player. I, I don't think, like, if, the Bulls decide to make Zach Levine available, or if you know there's a, a fill in the blank of any All Star guy, you know whatever. Obviously, the Knicks are going to call and check in, right? Um, but as we saw in the Donovan Mitchell trade sweepstakes of 2022, that you know, a, a, I mean, many things happen to have that trade not get completed, but a common thread. Um, from all vantage points of that situation um, was that the Knicks didn't want to put in too much capital, right? That would have left them barren or, you know, lacking the, the assets to go get like the guy, right? Or another guy to go pair with Donovan. So I think that, you know, I mean, I think there's been some wound licking and some reflections done since then from Knicks people about maybe that was the wrong choice. But I think that's an important thing to keep in mind that this team is going to be frugal from, I mean, past behavior so far um, when they decide to upgrade. I don't think we're going to see them, you know, overpay for somebody. Um, So that being said, I I think, they're going to be more advantageous about buying. And the honestly, for a while, they were clearly in like sell mode. And um, then as you know, this rotation got tweaked as Jonathan alluded to uh, a little bit earlier and 
Um, you know, quickly started playing pretty, pretty well. Um, and other things, uh, as, as we just gotten later into the season, there's definitely been um, talk that, uh, as Mark Stein alluded to earlier this week, I, I guess it was in his mailbag yesterday, Sunday. He wrote two over the weekend, so shout out to Steiny. Um, <laughs> yeah. That the team is kind of back, walking back Manuel Quickly's availability. Like, I've definitely heard that as well. And it even seems like right now they're not, I mean, heard it from multiple, multiple teams that New York is not looking to move a, use a pick to offload Evan Fournier's salary now, um, considering that we're, and, and the common thing I've heard there too, the reasoning is that, um, you know, we're, we're only a couple months away from it being next season and him being an expiring contract and maybe his, the value of that will increase. Um, so, I can say that they don't seem to be in like obvious sell mode anymore. So I really, I, I do expect them to be looking for additions here. But I also, to go back to the top of this answer, I don't think we'll see them be too, too aggressive. But if there's a, someone like CJ McCollum from New Orleans last year, like that type of, um, I mean, I don't think they're going to give a first round pick for Eric Gordon though. Like, I mean, maybe they end up doing that because it's like a fake first. Or something like that, but I I just can't see them overpaying uh, based off of the previous uh, precedents they've set. Gotcha, understood. It just would be frustrating if they used you know the assets we would have used for a Donovan Mitchell trade for like a lesser tier star player like a Zach Levine. I mean that would just be frustrating from like a Knicks fan standpoint. For sure. I mean I think those. I I don't know. I I, I don't want to speak too presumptively that. Zach would go for a lesser price than Donovan, but I, I, I think that would be the clear valuation. Like, from, I mean, what what a deal's price or a player's contract ends in being doesn't always isn't always commensurate uh, for what the, the actual like you know consensus value is, right? You know, it only takes one asshole of the, the comment. <laughs> got it. All right, I appreciate you guys taking my questions. You got it. Thank you, Matt. Um, Thanks, Matt. Back to we'll do one more about tonight's game for people who sure. are riled up and uh, haven't still still wired from a night at MSG. Um, I think so. I mean, I have a notebook filed uh, for tomorrow about the Raptors, so I was primarily in the building to like watch that team. But in the context of like, I mean, a lot of the Raptors discussion right now is comparing themselves and looking at. Um, them in the general context of the Eastern Conference at large, right? So one of the teams that, I mean, Toronto's preseason expectation was that they should at least be where the Knicks are right now, right? So I was looking at them as, a, as more of a barometer for Toronto. But in that exercise, um, I was struck by how it does seem like the bench unit, and maybe I'm just such a biased Isaiah Hartenstein fan. I just have been. <laughs> Watching him with the Clippers uh, on League Pass last year, he was so this good. Seems, this seems like there's more of a zip to the offense when there's the, the you know the younger guys running around. Obi Toppin's back cutting, and I mean, I, IQ in those lineups seems to kind of be very very prone to launch from 35. Um, but Am I wrong? Is this a one-game sample? I haven't watched the Knicks in a while, but this is kind of the thing I feel like I, I always find myself thinking when I'm watching New York. 
So, you no, know, it's definitely that. And can they translate that to the top unit or is that just a personnel thing? Yeah. So, like, the, so I think going back to last year, last year's team was defined by its youth, at least in the positive. Um, everything about that team was, was because of when quickly got on the floor, when Obi got on the floor, when Grimes before he got hurt, when Grimes got on the floor, Deuce, although he didn't play a whole lot of minutes. Um, and then RJ, who kind of made a leap. Um, you know, from New Year's Eve onwards. This year, it's been it's been a little different because from the get-go, like, the bench units were not scoring a lot. They were defending really well, but they weren't scoring a lot. And part of that was because, obviously, they lost Alec Burks. For, they had to get rid of him to, to get money to sign Brunson. But, like, Derek Rose, it was pretty clear from early on that he had maybe lost a step. Um, and there was just something – there was something that, that was missing – and now, over the course of the season, they've kind of evolved to the point where they the bench isn't. It's never really all, all the bench. It's it's RJ plus the bench, right? So yeah. like those, and even now, those minutes have been reduced. Like you saw in the second half tonight, um, like Deuce McBride didn't get on the floor. Um, Jalen Brunson, uh, I think two nights ago or two two games ago, played like his first rest in the second half was three or four minutes into the fourth quarter. Like there's just, there's not as much trust um, in that bench unit. Like Hardenstein early in the year, I think he was performing really well over the last, I would say month. He's become a real target for a lot of Knicks fans because, you know, when Mitch goes out of the game, you know, and this isn't, this isn't Hardenstein's fault, but like, the the rim protection kind of falls off a cliff. Like even though I know they had advanced stats that painted him as one of like the best rim protectors in the league last year, he's it just hasn't been there. Um, you know, from the eye test and 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 even the numbers. You know, and and his offense, like I wrote about it, I think today or yesterday, about he over the last like eighteen games, I think he's shooting like thirty five percent from the field, which is uh, staggering because like this is a really talented offensive player. And I think the complaint has kind of come back to Tibbs because they're they're not using him in the way that he was used last year in LA, where it's like they had all these guys cutting all over the place. Like I think that's what people expected to see. We haven't really gotten it. Um, just but just to close the loop on the on the young players question, like Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel Quickly, those two in different ways. I think other than the obvious, right? The, the Brunson and Julius Randle kind of making all star pushes. I think those two have been the biggest bright spots for a lot of Nick fans this season because they are both guys who they pay such close attention to all the little things. They take so little off the table. It's funny you said about quickly that he like fires up from 35 feet a lot. The, the biggest complaint I think you could have about quickly this year is he's, he's been a little hesitant from deep. Um, maybe tonight he, he fired away a little bit more, but, um, I think he, he needs, and, and that's the thing is when RJ, RJ missed, you know, at six games or so recently during those games when RJ was out quickly, he was starting, he was, and then Brunson was out for some of those games. You really saw, uh, quickly spread his wings, which is, I wonder, and I was going to ask you, I wonder if maybe that's connected to the Knicks finally being like, okay, we, this guy's too important to our present. He's too important to our future. We we can't be entertaining trade trade calls for Emmanuel quickly. I think I think it's all the above, yeah. And I mean, a lot of trade conversation, as we say all the time on the on the show, stems from 
kind of predicting, if you will. Uh, I, I say that word to uh, as a joke. Um, <laughs> what type of salary ranges people are going to be looking for um, and trying to factor and figure out if that is something you'd be willing to pay them. Um, and I mean, that, that comes up, I think, most uh, interestingly at the end of a rookie contract, right? Because obviously you drafted sure. years ago and a lot of teams are really sensitive to giving up on guys that they believed in and used, you know, went to ownership and used this pick on. So, like, when they went out and started calling teams, uh, and I, from everything I was told, they were proactively calling teams, kind of gauging his value. Maybe that's just what it was. Like, maybe it was just them trying to see how the rest of the league valued him um, before... before they just came to the decision on how much they wanted to pay him or how much they're planning to, or just it was valuable intel for them to gather on, you know, considering their stuff forward. A lot of times teams do that. A lot of times teams will just kind of call around and say, hey, what, 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 what do you think of this guy? How much do you want to trade for this guy? What would you pay this guy? Blah, blah, blah. And then they just keep him. Um, and a lot of times it doesn't get out, but because it's New York, you know, <laughs> when, when the Knicks were calling around and, from what I recall, they were definitely very active um, in letting it be known that they were at least interested in parting with him. But that was also a different part of the year, like like you were saying, where where the success wasn't exactly as uh, as consistent as it is. Yeah, and the tricky part, with quickly, just briefly, is like he's you know in terms of like doing all the little things, and he's pro- he's the best off ball defender on the team, and he just like good things happen when Emmanuel Cookie's on the floor, and the on off numbers reflect that. Um, but for most of the year, you did have to reconcile with the fact that the shooting numbers were just, they, they weren't very good. And for a guy billed as a shooter coming out of the draft, like that, you, you know, you, you could only ignore that so much. Now, since he's played more minutes over the last, I want to say about the last month, those shooting numbers, especially in that period of time, have picked up. So, you know, I, I but I always, I find myself very interested in that question is when you have a guy who, has panned out in pretty much every way you could possibly imagine around the around the edges. But the the thing you probably drafted him for, right, is to be a knockdown shooter is maybe the one remaining question mark in a league where, like, you know, you can't have a guard on the floor in a big playoff game if, if you're not going to, you know, be confident they can knock down a shot. Like, where does that leave you in contract negotiations? And, like, what do you offer that player? That's That's kind of been the most interesting thing for me with Quick. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So, um, I guess this is a little teaser from tomorrow's story that I can I can share now. Um, Jalen McDaniel's in uh, Charlotte. It, you know, I talked to a lot of people about what he's come, he's come a hot name on the trade market. Um, I talked to a lot of people about what they think he'll be worth or what he'll be able to command next summer, and with pretty large consensus, has been ten million, you know, roughly around the mid level. Um, okay. And I say that to also say this, like the way the league has gone cap-wise, roster construction-wise, especially where it's heading as the, the numbers are going to get more astronomical um, with the with the anticipated rise of cap with the TV deal. Um, we're, we're, we're heading to a place in the league where middle class is going to get continue to get, to get scrunched. And you're not, there aren't going to be too many players who are making above the mid-level and making less than money, like $30 million. That's just kind of where it is. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just what's where we're at. It's, we're already pretty confident. Like, like any, any salary right now that's between 10 and 20 million is considered like a very, very high, high movable contract because yes, yes. Um, there are so many salaries. Right? You can buy two of those, like, I think it's one, one, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So... so I say that. I say a lot of contracts, contracts particularly young ones, who are not like on a role. Like guys, guys will drop out of the or even like like someone um, like Desmond, who you know that that is his team. All those contracts are super, 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 super wonky, and they're not not going to be a first forward. 
because all the faculty like I know there's, there's, a, there's lot a lot of younger players, players who are going to really take two year contracts, think, thinking that they'll, they'll get into free agency again in 2025. So, so does that, that shorten number make him have, have something like a high Jones deal where he signs to 30, I believe, if memory serves this summer? Like, that's something I could see be of interest to both sides. Um, but long term mm-hmm. deal, honestly, yeah, I, I, I really don't know what I would expect for someone like quickly right now. Yeah, yeah the, 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 it's so funny you say that because the number that I or the contract track that I kind of had in my head is like this this is maybe somewhere both sides could agree upon was like the Kevin Herter deal, which was four for uh, 64, I you know. But again, that's like right in that middle ground, what you're saying is kind of kind of going away, at least as far as longer term contracts are, are concerned. Yeah, I, and again, I'm not saying that those are going to be eliminated because like th- those types of deals will happen. Um, but I think largely, and it's something that I'm preparing for, and I know a lot of team people are are preparing their books for. Um, let's uh, let's take a question from Camille here. Camille, how we doing? Camille, do we have you? I think we heard Camille briefly. I would definitely like to get Camille on because his avatar, I believe, is of Latrell Sprewell taunting fans to scream louder <laughs> at the foul line, which obviously Scotty Barnes did tonight, and I thought that was hilarious. Camille, are you with us? We definitely heard a little noise. All right. Let's continue going, and hopefully, like with Matt, Camille will pop in there. Um, so I do have to run rather shortly, so I'll ask you one more question. Um, sure. And then I- I will pitch it back to you to see if you have anything for me. Um, when you look at, because Matt's question was like buying, right? So when you look at this team, what, I mean, if it's a reasonable deal, like someone in the comments I'm seeing um, mentioned that they saw Gary Trent as a, as a, as a rumored name that the Knicks would be interested in. Um, I don't know how serious the interest is, but I definitely heard Gary Trent linked to New York. I will say that. So, you know, if there's a deal available where like a first and Gary Trent um, for Derek Rose with his team option next year, you know, for Toronto, like something like that were to work out. I'm just making up a total idea here off the top of my head, you know, add some nice shooting, which has obviously been a thing that, this team has desperately needed throughout uh, the Tom Thibodeau coaching era. Um, but I don't know if that is a hundred percent like the clear glaring need that this team has. What, what do you see or what, if you, if you could make, you could play Nick's GM for a day on February 9th and make it happen. What would you be setting out to achieve and accomplish and acquire? I mean, I think you, I mean, you've summarized it great before there I don't think they're looking to do the home run swing right now. And like, you know, when, and if, and when that moment comes uh, from a negotiating standpoint, I am, I would imagine it would be easier to pull off such a trade. If you could at least um, discuss RJ Barrett as like the trade, like a fully tradable contract, as opposed to right now where, where you got the poison pill issue. So again, that's not something that can be rectified until the off season. So like for right now, I think they I would imagine that they would want to see how high they can raise their present day ceiling without sacrificing anything that they really care about. So where do you draw the line? Well, obviously I, I 
my own two cents. I think you draw the line at quickly and Grimes. Like those guys are shouldn't be going anywhere. Um, now, if it entails bringing in someone who is going to take like a Deuce McBride's minutes, well, you know what? That's something I guess you have to ask yourself as an organization. Like, what do you what do you think of like the ceiling of Deuce McBride? How much do you care about continuing to invest in playing him? You know, eight or ten minutes a game. Personally, I I, I don't know if that needs to be the, the highest of priorities. Um, I think Obi Toppin is an interesting name, which I'll, I'll come back to when I, I guess, ask you something before we go. Yeah. But like, free Obi. You know, <laughs> free Obi. Uh, I got a lot of Obi fans in New York who want to who wanna see him be freed. But like, yeah, I mean, whether it's Rose's contract or Fournier's contract, obviously, Fournier, unloading Fournier is probably going to cost you a little bit more. But like, I, I'm incredibly intrigued by the idea of Eric Gordon. You know, like Eric Gordon, like, let me take a half a step back briefly. Like they had three guys play forty minutes tonight. You know, yeah. like we've had, we've there was a seven or eight game stretch recently where Emmanuel quickly was leading the league in minutes. Like, at full, like that's just something that happened when when they had guys down. Like he only trusts seven guys right now on this team, or six guys, excuse me, um, on this team. So to get another guy in the door that you could trust, so that Jalen Brunson maybe doesn't have to play forty minutes, and and you know R.J. Barrett doesn't have to play you know forty minutes. Like, I think that would be good. And Gordon, you know, he's – is he a little small? Like, do you, do you definitely want to go the guard route as the guy you acquire? Maybe not. Uh, but at the same time, he's like a – you know, he's obviously – he's short, but he's big. You know, he's a switchable guy. He has the playoff experience that I imagine they would value. He's, you know, obviously he's a good shooter. And can you get him for, like – I don't know where the Knicks have their – plethora of protected first round picks on their big board in terms of the order but like whatever they value value the least of the it's a detroit pick a wizards pick a, a bucks pick and then this year's dallas pick um whichever one of those that they value the least like could they get him for that and like maybe try to unload fournier in the process like that's yeah that's the sort of thing that i'm that i'm thinking of yeah um no i, I my thought and this is just me from the I would be surprised if any team, but I could be wrong. I'd be surprised if any team gives a first for Eric Gordon, but the Rockets seem pretty drawn in the sand that they're not going to move him without it. So maybe someone blinks on the other side. Camille, what's up? Hey, Jay. Hey, John. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Yep. You got it. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. I had to go create another account. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, big, big fan of your show, Jake. John, I listen to every podcast, every show. You and uh. You, Andrew, and Jeremy, are always killing it. Speak to Thank you guys you. sometimes on Twitter as well. Um, just want to join in, uh, Jake. I uh, just want to see your thoughts on this. Uh, John, I know your your take on in terms of who you're, like when we kick the can down the road in terms of who we ultimately will take that big swing at. Obviously, we know <laughs> it didn't work with um, Spider, but I know that you like Embiid. Ultimately, I, I don't know if that's who I want to go after. Not saying, not taking anything away from Embiid. It's just, a center who isn't going to be durable going down the line. I don't know if that's who I want to throw all my assets at. Um, for me, ultimately, I think that Booker is someone that we're probably, or at least from my perspective, I think we might target down the line. I guess Jay. He's good. Hurt. I like yep. him. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and again, this is just this is just me just talking out loud. Um, I guess Jake, have you heard anything in regards to who the Knicks might take that big big swing at uh, down the line? And also, I agree. We, I wouldn't want to throw a first at Eric Gordon. That's just my opinion. Thank you, Camille. Um, 
I think that the answer to that question is so circumstantial. Like, I mean, Don Mitchell wasn't going to become available until he was, you know, like I, I really believe from people I talked to that until, until the jazz decided they were going to move him, like they weren't moving. Him. Um, and like, until, you know, Dwight Howard, you know, to go back to even further example, like back with the Orlando Magic in 2011 or whatever it was, you know, at that deadline, they, they were dangling him out there. Remember, he has that big press conference the next day and, like, picks up his option and says, I'm sticking around for the team. And they traded him that summer, you know. So um, when it comes to star hunting like that, I mean, sometimes it really is just about biding your time and pouncing when the guy is available, which is why I think so many people were kind of critical of New York for not doing that when, when Donovan was there. Um, we welcome Fred Katz to the show. What's up, Fred? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of all the beat writers, uh, you know, and, and a big fan of yours, Jake. It's a pleasure to meet you both. I, I, I'm sorry. I may need to leave. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I could speak to this uh, individual uh, on, this, on, this, on this format. Get on with it, because I got to get moving here. <laughs> okay. I... I just got back from the game, and uh, I may or may not be working on a story right now about how it really does seem like Tibbs only has six guys right now who he trusts the five starters plus quickly. And, John, you mentioned the minute totals and all of that, and that's obviously reflected in the minutes totals right now. Uh, I'm curious, do you think that a seventh guy can emerge as someone who Tibbs trusts? Like, can Obi emerge as someone who Tibbs trusts? I'm trying to think through this. And, like, I'm wondering if they're just at six and if it means, okay, they need to go get a seventh before February 9th, or if Obi can emerge, or if somebody else, if if, if somebody else can do it and, and basically be somebody who Tibbs trusts in an actual big moment at the end of the game. So right now there are only six, and it's just not enough. The guys are just playing too many minutes and there's too much of a burden on, on too few guys, you know? That was the same thing on the other side of the, the lineup tonight. Um, it seemed like, it seemed like a boxing match by overtime where both, both boxers were just bloodied in their corner and you wanted both of them to get out of the fight. That was the feeling I had. It was, uh, it was pretty brutal at practice to watch those guys just bang into each other with not a lot of fluidity and uh, artfulness on either side. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's possible to be Obi. I mean, there are definitely people within the Knicks. I would love to see him be that seventh guy. Right. And that's why they picked him where they picked him in the lottery. Um, I think with him, a lot of his progress has been, you know, hurt by injury over the years and stuff like that. But yeah, he's, I mean, a lot of it's also been the lack of opportunity. So I, I, to be honest, I don't know what is standing in the way of that run happening. I, I don't know um, why there won't be some press conference where Tibbs is asked about shrinking the rotation and, and Obi's not one of those guys. I, I, I really don't have the answer to you. I, I don't. I, I just I, all I can think about is why does Fred Katz hate Cam Reddish? Um, but I, I we, we could save save that conversation for another day, Fred. Um, it it would be lovely if Obi Toppin jumped up and uh, and claimed this role. I think some of that is on the team and the coaching staff, perhaps with their usage of this player. But you know, I I don't I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I, I always kind of default to if a player's going to 
to be really good, like, isn't he? Isn't he just going to figure out a way to do that in, in the league? Like, e- even in a situation where he may it may not be an ideal role or ideal usage. Obviously, he needs the minutes. But like Obi, Obi has gotten you know some minutes. I, I, has he always done the most with those minutes that he could earlier this season? Absolutely. In the five games he's been back, not as much. But it's five games since he he was out for a month. So I feel like I, I personally would like a little bit longer runway before. I, I I give a real answer to this question. <laughs> what do you, what and do you Fred, what's I follow up on that? Because I have one for John. What's the answer to my question? I don't know. I'm writing it, and that's why I'm calling in and trying to get you guys to write my stories for me. I, I'm i intrigued mean, the, by the, the fact was, So what started this was that Tibbs staggered Brunson and Randall in the second half tonight, right? And and to me, that was an admission by actions of, okay, we just can't score when Brunson and Randall are both off the floor. They have like a 103 defensive rating or offensive rating this year when Brunson and Randall are both on the bench together. And that's like unbelievably low. Like that is that is that is a drought of scoring. Uh and if if Tibbs is going to stagger in those two guys, if it's something that he's gonna do moving forward, then then I'm wondering, like, what is the step after that? Like, if that doesn't work, because you can't play both those guys 43 minutes into perpetuity. So, like, I'm just wondering what is the step after that, you know? And that's why I asked the question. Yeah. Maybe it comes with a little more playmaking at the deadline. Who's to say? Um, I unfortunately got to run. This was great, though. Love you, Fred. Jonathan, you're the man. Any... uh. Anything you want to plug, anything you want to say and share before I let you out of here? Uh, first thing I want to share is just a uh, happy Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day to everybody listening. Um, second, uh, thank you, Jake, for having me on. This was quite a trip for me. Um, been, a, been a huge fan of yours, obviously, for a very long time and honored that I uh, got the opportunity. And yeah, for anybody listening who may not be aware of Nick's Film School, go ahead and uh, check out Nick's Film School, uh, either on YouTube on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, JC Macri NBA. That's it, man. This was good. Uh, yeah. hope, uh, hope, uh, it, I didn't, I didn't let you down too much. No, man, you're, you're awesome. You were awesome. Uh, I definitely found this window as one to do this week. And I know you're always doing post game stuff anyway. So I figured, uh, it'd be no hard lift to do, but I do appreciate the time. Um, thank you so much. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll be back on Friday at some point in the afternoon. Um, not sure when, not sure who the guest is yet, but Friday is the next day. Um, and we will talk to you then. Enjoy the games. Shout out MLK. Just watch the uh, Robert uh, F. Kennedy uh, docuseries on Netflix over the weekend. Um, and what a, what a wild period of history. Anyway, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Shout out to Knicks fans. You guys are great. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.